President Teddy Roosevelt once said, walk softly and carry a big stick. That was his foreign policy. Walk softly. If you get out of line, if you get out of line, that was loud. So here's what happens. What we can do instead is our words can become our stick. And in fact, the title for this sermon is Speak Carefully and Drop Your Stick. And that's what we need to do when we interact with people, whether it's online, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, something else, or whether we're in person, we need to speak carefully and drop anything that resembles a stick that we could hurt somebody else. Now then, uh, we are familiar with that old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That isn't true. And in fact, words can really hurt us. I remember one of my kids one time got called some bad names in the school playground and uh, came running and sat on my lap and crying because those kids were bullies. And so words do affect us. And that's what we want to talk about tonight. Now then, your tongue, your words can get you in a lot of trouble. Not only do I know this from the Bible, I know this from my personal life. I've told this story a few times, and because I'm speaking today, I like the story, I'll tell it again. So I was five years old. I was climbing on top of our refrigerator at our house, and above the refrigerator were some cabinets, and I was on top of the refrigerator, I'm five, looking into those cabinets. My mother came around the corner and said, what are you doing? I turned and looked at her and I said, none of your business. At that very moment, it became her business, and it became not such a good business for me at that point. You see, words can get us in the trouble. And so what we need to be aware of is that we need to speak cautiously and carefully with people. I know other times in my life my words have gotten me into trouble. When I played tennis in college, I called the coach a peanut head. He liked me a lot, so he kind of laughed and he chased me around the tennis court hitting tennis balls at me. But you kind of get the point. If you're quick-tongued, you can cause a lot of harm, even unintentionally. Now, all of us, we have used our words in ways that have pushed people away from us. We have used our words in a way in which we have caused wounds and hurts. And at the same time, our very words can be used to draw people closer to us and to really have healthy um, friendships and healthy relationships with people all on how we use our words. I was sitting in my car one day uh, and another couple was uh, in the back seat. We were driving somewhere and the mom got a phone call from her 25-year-old daughter and she proceeded to yell at her over the phone in the back seat of my car. I was super embarrassed even to be there at that point. All because she was yelling at a 25-year-old because the person had given their uh, pet a full cup of food instead of a half a cup of food. Uh, and that just kind of, those words just kind of stung, right? And I could hear that, hear that yelling. Well, what does God say about the words we use? And in fact, we've been reading through Proverbs, and you can turn right now to the book, uh, God's Twitter feed, find the sermon we're on, the sermon notes are right there. And we're going to look at what does Solomon tell us about the words that we use. What can we learn from God's perspective, from Solomon's perspective, God's perspective, about how we use our words and what we do? Here's our big idea today. Our ability or inability in controlling our words will impact relationships. Proverbs 10.19 says it this way, Sin is not ended by multiplying words, 
but the prudent hold their tongues. And the word prudent means those who have good judgment as well. I read the other day that the Ten Commandments, depending on which version of the Bible, has 297 words in it. Psalm 23, 118. The Lord's Prayer, 56 words. The Gettysburg Address, I looked it up today, is 272 words. But the IRS tax code of the federal government has 3.7 million words. Yeah, and so I think what Solomon is telling us, if we say a lot of words, there's potential to do harm. And so we need to guard what we say. We need to have the ability to do that. Now, what I'm going to do today is I want to give you four principles to think about when it comes to speaking carefully and dropping your stick. Don't use your words to manipulate people, to hurt people, to wound people. It might be your spouse. It might be your own children. It might be your parents, your co-workers, somebody in your community group. How you and I use our words is a reflection of the heart is what Jesus said. So let me give you these four things. Here's number one. Consider silence as golden. Yeah, silence is golden. Proverbs 10:19 says, Sin is not ended by multiplying words, but the prudent hold their tongues, like we talked about. True story, a number of years ago, I was standing in the hallway at church during the week, and somebody cornered me and wanted to ask me a question. They asked a question. It was a good question. And then, before I could answer the question, they answered it for me. And I swear, I'm not making this up, for the next 21 minutes, they talked nonstop while I just stood there. I know it was 21 minutes because there was a clock on the wall in the background. And I remember standing there going, how long will they talk without me saying a word? And it went on and on and on. And after a while, I finally said, you know, I have another appointment to go to, which was to go be alone in my office and decompress after 21 minutes. You know, sometimes we need to understand that silence is golden as well. Now, a couple things with this silence is golden is we don't need to tell everybody things that we know. We don't need to just give lots of information. One time I'm having dinner with somebody and I mentioned a book I'd read and, and uh, by a fairly, at that point, popular author. And they said, oh, I used to live next to them. They're a real hermit. They never come out of their house. And they began to tell me some fairly innocuous but kind of negative things about the person. I thought, I don't need to hear that. Why would you spoil that for me? I, I don't need to know that the person has poor people skills and is kind of a hermit and a recluse and afraid to go out of their house. I, I didn't need to know that. And I remember thinking, I just want to say, stop it. That's gossip. That's just saying things about other people, and it's not helpful. Gossip is never helpful. It's always bad. Couple things I want to talk to you about. Science is golden. Here's the first one. I when I'm I'm silent, I give the impression I'm wise. Proverbs 17 says, even fools are thought wise if they keep silent, and discerning if they should hold their tongues. I took this verse into consideration when I've been on board. Sometimes I end up serving on on uh, charity boards and, and, and so forth. And I remember thinking, one of my first board meetings, one organization I was on, I need to not say anything today. Just don't say anything. And, and do you know why? Because when you join a board or a new group, they already know each other and they don't know you, they didn't know me, they don't trust me, uh, uh, they don't know where I'm coming from, so I need to just earn that 
time of respect. And so it took several meetings before I really even said anything. And finally, they brought up a subject that I knew something about. Uh, previously, they talk about educational goals and metrics with learning. And I was like, oh, I don't know what this is. And I don't quite get it. And pretty soon they brought up a topic that I knew something about. And I just nodded my head and said, that sounds about right. Silence is golden. And sometimes when we talk too much, we give the impression that we're foolish. And if we just can retain our words sometimes, we come off as wise. Sometimes the wisest thing to do is to say nothing. Just guard your time with that as well. You don't have to tell everyone things that you know. And sometimes we can come off as arrogant. I remember one time I was having lunch with a, with a man who'd had a very difficult time. He had moved to Eugene and, and he'd had a, just a very bad experience at his church. And so he'd come to our church for a while and I took him out to lunch and he tells me this bad experience and I remember thinking, I have no idea what to tell him. And I said these words to him. I said, I can't believe after that experience you would even come inside a church. And I didn't say much more. I just showed a lot of empathy and just about a week later, his wife called me and said, you know what, Pastor Steve, that was the best thing my husband ever heard. He was ready for some lecture about why bad things happen to good people, but all you did was identify that he was hurting. And sometimes that's all we need to do. Sometimes we throw verbal hand grenades or sometimes we just can't stop talking. One time I was in my role as a police chaplain, I was sitting in the front seat of a police car and they had arrested somebody for, for uh, bothering somebody in a parking lot. And as we drove to the jail, this young man could not stop talking. First, I just engaged him in a little bit, how's it going? Which was dumb, right? You're in the back of a police car because he would assaulted his girlfriend. How about that? And pretty soon he admits to the crime, just, just talking out loud. He just couldn't help himself. He just talked, talk, talk, talk. And sometimes that happens to us. We can just talk and talk and talk. Here's the second bullet point. I don't have to say everything I think. See, one of the problems that sometimes we have is we think it, and then we just kind of say it. We just kind of throw that stick out. One time I was in a group, and somebody just said some words that I could tell were a little jarring in the room. And afterwards, I asked him, did you really need to say, say that? And he goes, well, you know, Steve, I, I thought about it, and, uh, and it just came to my mind. And we just talked about being honest, so I just said it out loud. And I said, well, just because you think it doesn't need, mean that you need to say it. And furthermore, we need to say those things with some compassion and understanding. We just don't launch grenades out there for people. And so even though the words you use may be true, doesn't mean we need to say them. And maybe we need to just guard what we say and when we say it as well. You may know something about someone. You may be able to discern when the right time to say it is, but it doesn't mean we have to say everything that we are thinking of. Proverbs 17, 27, the one who has knowledge uses words with restraint, and whoever has understanding is even-tempered. Very important. Before you speak, think about it. I've been telling people lately, before you post something, before you say it on social media, hit the pause button in your head. Do I really need to send that out? 
do I really need to get that out there? Is that comment all about me? What good will it do? Sometimes the wisest thing to do is to be silent. Because when you are silent, people will think you're incredibly wise. You don't have to say everything that comes to your mind. And often that happens to us on Twitter. We get those things out there. We rant and rave about things. And it's not helpful. I think if Solomon were writing Proverbs today, he would have mentioned those things. He would have said, hey, be careful what you post. It'll come back to bite you. He would have said, hey, be careful those words you use. They could be used against you. And so we need to be careful about those things. I had my uh, Achilles tendon operated on a couple months ago, and when I was recovering, I was watching reruns of Cheers. And there's a guy on that show named Cliff Clavin. He's the post guy. Post, he's the mail carrier, and he had an opinion about everything, and he came off as a know-it-all. Oh, I know about the Antarctica, and he'd go launch into some, he sounded like an encyclopedia. Well, often he was wrong, and pretty soon people began to mock him. That's what happens when we're a know-it-all, or we just say things that we're thinking about. We can just make things worse. Here's the second principle. Make sure you have all the facts. Make sure you know the facts before you start talking. Proverbs 18:13 says, to answer before listening, that is folly and shame. So sometimes we just need to make sure we have all the facts. Sometimes I will be talking to people and they'll share some information with me, especially in a marriage counseling way, and then I'll hear the other person's side of the story, two very different sides of the story. And so often we need to maintain that we get, need to be aware that we need to get all the facts. A long time ago, Richard Jewell was a, a security guard at the Olympics in Atlanta and a bomb went off. Well, a uh, quick story, he, they made a movie about him, Clint Eastwood did recently, but, but Richard Jewell uh, saved a lot of people by responding to this bomb, and, and after a few days, the media picked up that, well, maybe he planted the bomb, and they began to run stories about it, and it took a life all of its own, and newspapers began to print that he was fat, lazy, and a fool, and his life was miserable. They thought he's to blame for this bomb, and, and he was just land-blasted in the press. Well, come to find out, he was the hero. He didn't have anything to do with it. But yet people ran with the story. And so we hear things and we don't absorb all the facts. And then we go running at the mouth. That happened recently with uh, Nick Sandeman, the young man who was in Washington, D.C. And he was uh, bullied by some people in a public square as he was holding up a pro-life sign. And you know what? The media ran with that, that he was the bully, that he was bothering people. You know what happened? He sued for $800 million, several media outlets, and he won. Those places settled out of court millions of dollars simply because people didn't have all the facts, posted things that were inaccurate, and that's what happens not only on a national level, it happens on a personal level. Just think about it, personal relationships. That's where most of us live, personal relationships. And we only get one side of the story. We make snap judgments, and then we use what we think we've heard against people. And because we don't have both sides of the story, we pick up our stick, and we use our words against people. So we have to be careful about getting all the facts in these things as well. We can be taught that, 
At times we need to control our words, but what we need to be aware of is the implications of the words that we use as well. We can cause great damage to people. A number of years ago, I was in a, uh, a retail business, or I was in a side of a business, and a man began to have an argument with the employee and started screaming at him that, you're overcharging me, and he goes on a tirade, I want to speak to your supervisor, and I'm like, wow, this guy's mad. Sounds like he ought to be mad. They, they're ripping him off. Finally, the supervisor came out and held a bit and says, sir, I'm sorry, but, but that's not what you owe. That's what we owe you. We overcharged you in the past, and we're going to refund your money. Wow, did that guy have egg and embarrassment all over his face. And several people behind me were like, holy cow. This guy, I can't believe he flew off the handle. Why? Because he didn't have all the facts. He jumped to conclusions. Here's the third thing about our words and the implications. And it's this, number three, tone matters. A person finds joy in giving an apt reply. How good is a timely word? It's an old story about... I'm sure it's not true, but a, a, a state trooper pulls somebody over speeding and he goes, well, I'm not going to give you a ticket. Just thank you for wearing your seatbelts. And the passenger said, oh, we've got to wear our seatbelts. You have no idea how fast and reckless he usually drives. At that point, the officer gave him a ticket for speeding. Now, sometimes tone matters and you're going to be sarcastic Sarcasm can do a lot of damage to people. We have to guard ourselves and know who we're talking to. There's an old story about a man who was fixing lunch for his wife, and he gave her the heels of the bread for a sandwich, and she got mad at him and said, You always give me the heels. I can't believe you do this. And Well, he replied to her, Well, I love the heels of the bread. I'm just giving you the best. And he said in a quiet tone, That's a smart man right there. See, sometimes tone is everything. And you know that, I know that, we just need to be reminded of it. How you speak to your children, tone is going to matter. How you speak to your coworkers, tone is going to matter. And that's one of the most difficult things about social media, about emails. An email comes, you can't hear the tone. If you have any kind of verbal communi written communication that involves some emotion, be careful about that because Tone matters. Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. If you need to talk to someone in your family about a problem, give a soft answer. If you're talking to someone at work, maybe even you need to confront them, do it softly. Just remember this. When I think about Jesus... I think about this, that he was firm on issues, but soft on people. Firm on issues, soft on people. So that's a tone issue. Sure, you can maybe ratchet up your tone, but you need to start at the very bottom when in, you are in communication with people. And we need to learn how to, well, express our thoughts and feelings and communicate in such a way in which tone is pretty soft because that resolves so many things. One of the things I've learned over the years is that when people become upset, their voice goes up. They get louder. And when that begins to happen, you go softer. 
Because if you try to overtalk them, it just inflates the situation. It gets worse. I've seen it on the soccer field or the baseball field. When parents of young players begin to argue with the coach, my kid's not getting enough playing time. And if the coach barks back even louder, it just escalates, gets up and up and up. That's why we need to guard our tone with things. Here's the fourth and final one. This is, has to do with consequences. Number four, words can sink a friendship or make it last forever. Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Your words can give someone else a bit of life, a bit of encouragement, or your words can suck the life out of people. You can do that to others. That's why you need to take responsibility for your words. You need to understand that the words you use can sink relationships. Do you want to know why people might be distant from you right now? Maybe you had a close friend, they're not so close anymore. Maybe something happened with words. Maybe, possibly, you're the cause of that. Proverbs 16.28 says, The perverse stir up dissension, and gossips separate close friends. Let me ask you a question. Who are the people you've wounded with your words? Who are the people that you spoke harshly to? Who are the people that you said the wrong words at the wrong time? Perhaps it was your spouse. Maybe you spoke to your parents in a harsh way, co-worker. Or maybe you just felt annoyed enough by a friend that you just kind of fairly abrasive to them. Where have you picked up the stick of your words and let somebody else have it? And if so, do you need to rectify that today? If so, maybe you need to call that person, send a text, Communicate to them. And maybe right now God is bringing conversations to your mind that you had years ago. Maybe conversations in which you need to go back and apologize. The fact of it is that they may remember and say thank you, or they may have forgotten it totally and wonder why you even apologized. It doesn't matter their response. What matters is that you recognize the reality of it and that you take responsibility because words can sink a friendship. If we care about people, we're going to be involved in encouraging them, not tearing them down. Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for, notice this, building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. I think this verse means that as followers of Jesus, we speak words of compassion, grace, mercy, and truth. We do all of those things, and we need to learn the skill of building others up, not tearing them down. It's pretty easy to give a snide remark. It's pretty easy to be snarky. But can we build other people up as well? This means we need to guard our humor 
This means we need to guard the words we write in emails, and we need to present things that give people hope. Proverbs 12.25 says, Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. Here's what I'm seeing today. I'm seeing that people are COVID fatigued. We're sick and tired of masks, social distancing, wondering where our job is going, wondering how long my unemployment is going to last. We're just tired of this whole situation with our kids and the schools. We're just tired of everything and we're fatigued. And when we become fatigued, we lash out at people. The first thing you need to do in this situation is to guard yourself, guard your heart. Jesus said, out of the heart comes these things that, that come these words that we speak. Therefore, we need to fill our tank with Jesus. That's reading His Word. That's spending time in prayer. So that we fill ourselves up and we become encouraged through the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. This is not a willpower thing. Hey, I'll guard my will. I'll guard my words. It'll just be willpower. Oh, you can't do it. I know because I've tried and I failed at it. But I know this. You need the Holy Spirit. You need God's help in encouraging people. And you can do that. Do you encourage people? Do you build them up? If not, why not? Are you positive to people and encouraging or are you discouraging to them? Hey, I want to speak for just a brief moment to husbands. Now's the time you need to encourage your, your spouse, your wife. Husbands, encourage your wife. Whatever they're going through right now, you need to, well, shoulder some of that and be encouraging. When my kids were small and life wasn't going well for Mary and I, I remember that she needed a break. And one of the things that we did, I did, or we did together, to bring her encouragement was to find a way that once a week she could have a break from the kids. We had no money, we were so poor, but yet we found any way we could to get her that break and hired somebody to watch the kids for one afternoon a week. It was like heaven for her. And you know what? It was like heaven for me too. So husbands, encourage your wives during this time when, man, things at home may not be going well. Hey, wives, I want to speak to you for just a brief moment. I'm to tell you a secret. It's about your husband. Your husband, most husbands, sometimes we feel like failures. And it's at that very time that we feel like failures that you can bring words of encouragement, words of hope. That's what you can do. Hey, mom and dad, you may have struggling kids right now. You've got teenagers at home. You've got little kids that are tired of doing, well, school on the screen. You can encourage your kids. Use your words in that way. You can be their cheerleader. Listen to the God's Word in Proverbs chapter 5. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Turn your ear to my words of insight that you may maintain discretion and your lips may preserve knowledge. Proverbs 12, 18, The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise bring healing. Let me tell you something. If you don't know what words to use or you're having trouble with your words, I highly, this is my solution to this, fill your life with the Word of God, with God's Word. My son, do not let wisdom get far away from you. 
Let God's word fill your heart. Today, I talked about Teddy Roosevelt. He said, walk softly, carry a big stick. My old theory is that we need to speak carefully and drop the stick. And the stick being the words that we use. Because we can either sink friendships or we can have lasting friendships forever. Don't you want to impact people in a positive way? That's how we're going to do it. And the only way we're going to get there is to let God's word fill our hearts so that we can drop the stick. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word and we pray that we can take Solomon's advice seriously, that we need to give words of encouragement and to guard our words and to make sure that we don't involve ourselves in gossip. And maybe as you're listening to me, it came to your mind that you've wounded people with your words. Maybe this is a great time for you to confess that to God and then maybe even ultimately confess that to the other person. So Lord, I just pray that you would help us to be wise with our words so that we can make a difference for your kingdom. And we pray this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Have a great week. I hope in your community group you're able to discuss the video for this session and to answer those discussion questions. I think you're going to have a great time in your group. Thanks.